This is Bless You Boys Podcast 104, recorded Saturday, March 22nd, 2014. Andrew Romine to the rescue. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Bless You Boys Podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog covers the last week, or in this case, two weeks of Detroit Tigers baseball. I'm your host, Al Beaton. Sorry we took last week off as well. Be honest, I was definitely under the weather. And uh, I, I know and Hookslide has had some um, uh, family things going on, so he's been tied up as well. And actually, Hookslide won't be with us again this week because of his, uh, because of his kids. So, uh, regardless of that, though, um, we do have the other co-host of the show, and that would be uh, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, a columnist for the Detroit News, a grand poobah at SB Nation, and um, I think king of the north, and that would be one Kurt Menchin. Kurt, how's things? Can I become the king of the south? <laughs> from, from our chat, I'm guessing that's what's going to happen. So <laughs> it's, 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 it's still snowing, which mm-hmm. is not unusual, you know. Yeah, uh, it, and it's it's not as cold. Yeah, what, what's happened is, uh, Kurt is I think Florida has broke you. Why does anyone want to be king of the north? I am going to uh, what do you what do you call it when you give up your crown? Yeah, oh, you're going to abdicate. I'm going to abdicate. I, I will be a peasant of the south at this point. I don't I don't need to be a king. In other words, Menchin abides. So. With yeah. that, <laughs> right, it doesn't hurt to get an occasional Big Lebowski reference in there. So, <laughs> all right, let's uh, get a little. Because someone's going bowling. Yes, yes, I get to go bowling tonight. That's going to be uh, a train wreck. Uh, that'll be a slow motion train wreck, I'm sure. So, but the Big cool <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get the uh, in the in, uh, well the information out of the way before we start talking. What might be a depressing podcast. Uh, if you want to contact us, you leave your thoughts, questions, hate mail, love letters, anything you want to talk about, email us at bybtigers at gmail.com, bybpodcast at gmail.com. You can contact us via Twitter at Bless You Boys. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers. Usually the easier way to get that is just type Bless You Boys in the search box on Facebook. And please like our page. And for that matter, follow us on Twitter. And, and put... Put bless your voice in your RSS reader for you old school people. So follow us however you can because we Please like us. Yes, <laughs> Kurt put we're, it nicely. We're sad and lonely. Indeed, your life. Yes. Uh, let's see. And obviously, as I said, Hook Slide is tied up with his kids this weekend because we're recording on Saturday. And um, oh, you know, because to be honest with you, I, I think a lot of us, including well, and myself included, has have been watching. The NCAA tournament than exhibition baseball. I don't know about you, Kurt. Have you been paying more attention to your Spartans than the Tigers? Yeah, actually, I, I watched two innings of the baseball game yesterday, and then I went to Starbucks. Mm. <laughs> you know? And and 
And I know that's not exactly the answer here since I wasn't watching basketball either, but, you know, uh, after being tied to the TV for like 12 hours on Thursday, watching game after game after game after game, uh, I, I just felt like getting out of the house. So. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, yeah, cause I, That's pretty much what all I've done Thursday and Friday is uh, watch lots and lots of basketball. And obviously we're recording early on Saturday because Michigan and Michigan State are playing later today. And, and I'm the the Wolverine fan of us, and Kurt's obviously the uh, the Spartan. So it's a uh, um, well, I, uh, well, we gotta stop talking about basketball because we could just turn this into an NCAA uh, podcast. But the the lazy inevitable, which is talking about all the horrific things that have happened to the Tigers over the past week and a half when it comes to injuries uh, between Jose Iglesias officially being knocked out for the season. Surprisingly, Bruce Rondon, almost out of nowhere, uh, is going to have Tommy John surgery. He's out for the season. Obviously, Andy Dirks is gone. Uh, this team seems to be uh, scrambling a little bit, but let's start with the Iglesias situation, Kurt. Uh, it was announced this week, after much speculation, uh, Iglesias admitted that he had actual fractures in his shins, not shin splints as had been originally diagnosed, even though the Tigers waited a few days to make sure they had official confirmation. And the Tigers announced that he'll be out four to six months, essentially the season. He'll miss the entire 2014 season. Um, doctors say he will be fully recovered for the start of the 2015 season. I guess what's disturbing about this, Kurt, is that it was misdiagnosed for so long. And it took, I believe, a CAT scan, because this didn't turn up in x-rays and all the other type of diagnosis that they were trying to do here to uh, figure out what the hell was wrong with Jose Iglesias. So... Uh, I guess it just goes to show a couple things is that sometimes trying trying to play through injury makes things worse. And obviously, uh, uh, I think medicine in some ways is still an art, not a science, because it took them so long to figure out what the hell was wrong. Right. You know, I I was in Lakeland when this first came out, you know, and and Brad announced, you know, Osmus announced it and – you know, he said, yeah, he, 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 I think, I think I don't want to misquote him because he probably listened to the podcast. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> pretty sure. but uh, you know, I, I think he, he said he, he had x-rays or an, or an MRI or whatever, and mm-hmm. it didn't turn up, it didn't turn up any, any, any fractures. So they were, you know, they're calling it, you know, a stretch something, you know, ra- rather than calling it shin splints, even though essentially it, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, and and then you know we we talked to Jose and and he said, well, I can I, I can field okay, you know, I can I can bat, I can I can run, but when I when I slow down, it really hurts. And, and you know, so the Tigers thought we're going to rest there, we're going to you know a hot and cold mm-hmm. application, uh, going to give it a little time. He it was probably just going from his training surfaces, you know, he liked to run on sand and stuff to to coming onto a, a ball field and and all this and all that and well. But like you said, it, it must be more of an art than a science because everyone didn't find it at first. And when it, it when it wasn't getting better, you know that that's when the, I guess they stepped it up and then they they figured it out. So yeah, it, it, it's clearly it's not a good situation for the Tigers to lose your starting shortstop one game in the spring training. So it, it's yeah, it, it, and and it's worse yet because mm-hmm. not only not only is he you know a starting player, but he, he's. Uh, He's just such a fun kid to watch play baseball that you 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 know and and he he's such a you know a kid that it, it's really it's dis, it's disappointing. I mean it's really you know he 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 was 
Yeah, you hate to see that for Jose too. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's just sad all around. So you know, sad for the fans, sad for the players. Yeah, and the one uh, I guess uh, the one issue is that uh, people are looking for someone to blame, and realistically, there's really no blame that can be thrown around there. Because you know, some thought, well, maybe the Red Sox dumped damaged goods on the Tigers, or uh, you know, the Tigers uh, uh, doctors didn't do their jobs correctly. This, this is just, I think, one of those freak things. That just happened occasionally, and uh, and to be honest, the Tigers over the past few years, for the most part, have dodged serious season-ending injuries. You know, we'll, we'll take um, Miguel Cabrera is uh, struggling through his groin injury at the end of last season, out you know out of it. But save for that, the Tigers have for the most part avoided injuries that crippled their starting lineup. So I, you know, you don't want to say they were due, but if these things happen to all teams. It's just that, you know, a serious injury like this, you don't expect to see happen to a 24-year shortstop who seems to be a marvelous athlete. Yeah, and, you know, uh, and you hate to say it, and, you you know, you hate to think of it in these terms, but it's sports, so you have to think of it in these terms. If you're going through the the Tigers starting lineup, starting rotation, whatever, and you're going, well, we can afford to to lose Mm -hmm. this guy or we can afford to lose that guy, you know, Obviously, he's your shortstop. It's a key position on the on the field, but it's not like he was a you know a hard hitting player either. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think Iglesias is one that's easier to absorb than say Kinsler, Cabrera, Jackson, Hunter. You, you know, mm-hmm. so, it, so or or anyone in your rotation. So as as far as injuries go, you don't want to see one. But you know, to to lose a guy like Iglesias and a guy like Dirks, it is much better than it, it, it could have been. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. As I, I guessed it on the uh, Southside Sox podcast uh, Friday, and uh, when and we were t- they were really grilling me about all these injuries and stuff, and I, I pretty much said the same thing, in that if the Tigers were depending on winning the World Series on the backs of Jose Iglesias and Andy Dirks, well, this team was a lot worse than I thought. So, right, that's uh, exactly. You know, so is, is it hurt? Yeah. But when you look at, you know, if you want to get all sabermetric about it, when you look at things like war, you know, losing Andy Dirks and uh, Jose Iglesias is what, maybe three games, two games of war that they might lose? You know, if they can replace them with uh, at least um, replacement-level players. So, and, well, I guess that can just, we might just lead us to who will be his replacement. And after a few weeks of saying, I think actually this has become a, almost a mantra with uh, Dave, uh, Dave Kaprowski, uh, we'll, we'll look internally to fix this. We'll look internally for replacements. Well, after a few weeks of saying that, the team actually went outside the organization after uh, being linked to players like Chris Owings of the Diamondbacks, Nick Franklin of the Mariners. Dombrowski actually made a trade, and he traded left-handed minor league starting pitcher Jose Alvarez. Essentially, he was the Tigers' sixth starting pitcher. He made six starts, uh, spot starts last season. Uh, and, you know, he's you know, 3.50 ERA in uh, in the minor leagues, but with the Tigers, his ERA was pushing six last year. And he was traded to the Angels for utility man Andrew Romine. Uh, he's got experience at three of the four infield positions he's played third, short, and second in the big leagues. He's got a great deal of uh, minor league experience playing shortstop. Uh, From all accounts, he looks to be a very, very good defensive player. Offensively, he might 
uh, he's probably if, – if he outhits Danny Werf, that's probably a bonus at this point. But it really looks like the Tigers acquired Romine Kurt to be the lefty swinging side of a platoon with either Danny Werf or Hernan Perez. I, I would pretty much bet on Danny Werf at this point just because of the older and experience, and they can put Perez at AAA and let him get seasoned a little bit more. But uh, this is what we're talking about. Do you think between uh, acquiring Romine and Werf that the Tigers have re- essentially replaced uh, Iglesias at a replacement level, you know, essentially – uh, you know, a half a war or something like that. Maybe just, a, you know, these guys can field and any hitting is going to be a bonus. And essentially when it comes down to it, that was Iglesias' job. It wasn't the hit, it was the field. Right. You know, people talk up Iglesias as if he's, a, you know, the 300 hitter he was in the first few months in Boston. But, you know, let, let's let's look at this honestly here. Six seasons in the minor leagues and, and his batting average was 257 and his, his OPS was 622. Which is about what he hit the Tigers last year. Uh, yeah. And, you know, with, uh, at, at AAA, his batting average was 244 and his OPS was 588. So expecting him to, to look like he did in Boston, that was never going to happen. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, there, there's theories behind that. You know, that it said maybe the Red Sox started him too high of a league. You know, uh, he started off basically at, at, at you know, A and double A, uh, right, right from the start after coming over from Cuba, right? Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, so the, and we, we saw that before with, uh, you know, a certain Tiger shortstop who, who we, we won't discuss, but, mm-hmm. but anyway, so Iglesias, he, he's not that the guy that maybe some people are thinking of. Now he's a good fielder, he's a, you know, he's a great fielder. I, I, I say I love watching him field and I was very excited to do it, but, you know that that's only going to take you so far. Now the the, the replacement. Uh, you know, I said it on like Twitter at the time. You know, who and huh? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, our you know our our friends from Scout.com. You know, uh, Mark Anderson, Paul Paul Wesner. You know, Tigerstown or Tigerstown or Tigerstown. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, however it's pronounced. We'll link the damn thing anyway, yeah. right? Anyway, so they talked to their uh, they talked to their their co parts from the uh, from the Angels blog where where Roman came from. And I'm just gonna you know quote a line or two from, from that. It's free. We'll, I'm sure Al will link to it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says, you know, how good is Romine's defense? Taylor Ward says, Romine is just as sound defensively as Jose Iglesias. He isn't going to make flashy plays, but instead is flawless in every movement in action, possibly one of the most graceful infielders defensively I've seen who will make nearly no mistakes. Next question. Is he the type of player whose defense makes up for the lack of offense? Answer. Yes, Romine's defense is nearly unmatchable. His bat will improve, not by a lot, but steadily. He will most likely be a lifetime 250-260 guy even with, with, with more opportunities. You could compare him to Jack McDonald. Yeah, and there's a lot worse comparisons than Jack McDonald. So. And then Mark Anderson from Twitter says, Talked to four scouts yesterday. All pegged Andrew Romine is legit plus defender, head and shoulders better than Danny War. So... What we're seeing is that maybe, you know, maybe he's a step down from Jose Iglesias, but what we're seeing, if these guys are right, is that mm-hmm. it's not going to be a big step down. So right. you're, you're losing something, but, you're, you know, let, let's not pretend we're falling off a cliff here and you, ha- you have no choice but to get Stephen Drew. It sounds like they wanted to, they, 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 they talked up the importance of defense. They wanted to keep a glove there. They went out and found a guy with a great glove, and that, that's fine. So we're, we're, we're just looking for the continuation of the strategy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, uh, from all accounts, uh, Romine will be a 
actually could actually be in the Tigers' plans for more further than this season, just because of the position. He can play multiple positions, and he's under team control until 2019. Uh, even though he's, I believe, 27, 28 years old since he came up so late. So uh, this guy could probably end up helping the Tigers down the line as a utility player after uh, uh, Iglesias gets healthy. So, But you also mentioned Stephen Drew, so we got we have to talk about that because uh, not long after it was announced that Tigers had traded for Romine, uh, John Lowe the Detroit Free Press uh, reported sources close to free agent Stephen Drew Probably, yeah, Scott Boris (laughs) (laughs) claimed he would be willing to sign a one-year deal with the Tigers. Uh, Obviously, that one-year deal would be stupid expensive at probably $14 or $15 million because that's what the the qualifying offer he turned down from the Red Sox was. So uh, Drew had been looking for a multi-year deal. Tigers want nothing to do with that, obviously. The other, obviously, big part of this is that if they signed Drew, and the plan would be, at least in Drew's eyes, he would sign the day after the season starts. That way he would not be, uh, when he becomes a free agent next year, he would not, uh, when, when the next team signs him, they would not have to give up a draft pick. But the Tigers would still have to give up that draft pick this year, and that yeah. seems to be the... So that's uh, not real team friendly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the other option is, the way things are looking, Drew is earlier... Uh, this in the week, it would have been mentioned by Drew and Boris that he would be willing to sit out till June, when that re- after the drafts that were which would then blow up that requirement to give up a draft pick and then sign then. So that could also be in, you know possibly something the Tigers could look into if Romine were Perez uh, don't don't work out. So, uh, but uh, you know I was listening to Sports Talk Radio this morning. God forbid, oh, well no. the shower. Well you know it was Pat Caputo. You know, the guy who is, you know, always says, you know, I've worked for Baseball America for 20 years, and he's hugely on the Tigers have to sign Stephen Drew train. And if you read the, uh, your compatriot, the news, Kurt, you have Lynn Henning, who uh, almost wrote like it looked like an obituary for the Tigers season after the uh, articles, uh, after Iglesias and Rondon went down. So, uh I think that the this Drew stuff is a little overblown. He, was he an upgrade? Yeah, because he has a little more pop on offense because he's got double-digit uh, home run power. You know, he can, he'll drive in 50 or 60 runs. But at $14, $15 million a year on a team that's already really pushing the upper limits of the payroll, $160 million, uh, I really just don't see the Tigers having any interest at all in Stephen Drew. No, and that, that's what I, I think, you know, too. You know, uh, I, I was talking with Ian, you know, uh, our friend, Castleberry, you know. Yes. Uh, the godfather of bless you boys. Right, and just, you know, just kind of talking thoughts through, and Ian's a good questioner, He's, you mm-hmm. know, so he makes you think things through. And, and what, what, what I came to the idea of is that there's absolutely no reason the Tigers have to do anything right away. And right. You know, people go, oh, yeah, well, they talk about the internal solutions or they talk about this, but they're going to do it anyway. And no, they're not. There's no reason to. Uh, the thing is, is that if you look at this offseason properly, and a lot of people refuse to look at this offseason properly, if you look at this offseason properly, what they've done is uh, they've tried to extend the window. They've tried to bring in, you know, like I said, with Robbie Ray and Doug Fister, no one gets that, but the idea was to uh, to have a good rotation that's less expensive for years to come. And, and they, they, and Ian Tinsler, he, you know, he's going to be here for in, 
we, we think for a couple of years, and he's an above average defender and a, you know, a, mm-hmm. a guy who does a lot of things at second base. The, the Tigers have, have changed not only their style of play, but they've, they've opened their window for a little bit longer. So to make a, to suddenly throw that all out the window just because Andy Dirks and, and, and Jose Iglesias get injured, it doesn't make sense to me. Now what I think is that if, if, and we've, we've talked about this, anyone who listens for years will remember, you know, I talk about Billy being third is to fix it and the final mm-hmm. third is to win the whole damn thing. So, uh, you know, the first third of the season, they're going to see what they got in Romine, in, in Worth, in Perez, maybe in Suarez, you know, and see, is, is this going to be enough? Can we get through the season? Is, can we be successful in, in our goals with what we've got? If not, well, you know, the amateur draft is in early June. Signed Stephen Drew after it, and uh, there you go. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so that, that, that makes the, the most sense to me. Of course, you know, other teams might want to sign Stephen Drew, too. So it's not as easy as being, like, just sitting around waiting to push the button. You know, it shouldn't be painted like that. But it doesn't have to be Drew, either. There, there, there are, could be other options what to do after those first two months. And people go, well, you know, winning – a win in April is worth the same as a win in September. And yeah, it is. But what you're doing at the start of the season is setting you up for the end of the season. Mm-hmm. People, people sometimes miss that. And, and the Tigers have to see what they've got because what if they have another, what if they have a hole come up in July? You know, what, yeah. what if, what if last year the Tigers had said, Oh my God, we have this problem in April. We have to fix it right now. And they, you know, they traded their draft picks or I mean, traded, traded the prospects and then they get to July and go, Oh no, we have another hole. How do we deal with it? Well, you know, you want to see if you can fix things yourself before you ask someone else to help. So that's what the first couple of the months of the season for. And you might take a few more losses, but you're getting players' experience. You're seeing what they can do. You're putting them in, you know, into different situations. And then you're dealing with what you've got after you know what you've got. So that's what the Tigers have to do here. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, in the first couple months of the season, as long as they don't lose the division, which, as we saw what happened, I believe, what, 2008, when they got off to that horrific start, uh, as long as they avoid uh, that kind of a situation, it'll be fine, I'm sure. And then they can uh, re- reconnoiter, so to speak, in uh, in July when they have a better idea as to what their needs may be, how guys like Romine um, step up, how guys in the bullpen maybe uh, uh, work out, things like that. And, uh, again, this is, there's a lot of question marks, but most of these questions can't be answered until the season starts. So. And I guess the, we, we got to talk about the other. The, I think the biggest question mark on this team is the bullpen. And it took a blow on Friday when it was announced that Bruce Rondon was going to be out for the season. Uh, the Tigers had pretty much tried to rebuild their bullpen. And Bruce Rondon was going to be a cornerstone of that, but likely being the eighth inning setup guy for new closer Joe Nathan. But it was announced that almost out of nowhere, Bruce Rondon, uh, this, uh, said he had elbow uh, discomfort early in the week, uh, was examined by the uh, the famous or infamous Dr. James Andrews, and it was then announced that he was going to need Tommy John surgery. He would miss the entire season and hopefully will be ready for opening day 2015. So I think pretty much by default, uh, you know, unless uh, Al Albuquerque steps up, the eighth inning setup job is going to go to Joba Chamberlain. Joba Chamberlain, pardon me. So... Yeah, but this and, is a blow, but how big of a you blow? You know, it, I, I, I thought that was a good signing all along. Mm-hmm. Spring training performance or two and, with Java and, and Worry, but you, you could do that with anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to pay off my, myself. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's unfortunate Rondon was injured because you, you need as many arms as possible. 
and he had an ERA near one in in what seven eight appearances nine appearances whatever it was you know mm-hmm. so yeah so you 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 can't undersell that you're losing something here and you're you're losing a a player in what was going to be the weakest component of your game anyway but uh, you know how how will drop off be how can they deal with it I you know bullpen might be the biggest thing they they need to deal with right now not right. not even Drew so. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You you don't feel warm fuzzies certainly, mm-hmm. but it, to, you know I don't I don't think they're exactly going to go from a guy with an ERA of one to a guy with an ERA of five or six either. So let, let's be realistic about this. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think more than any, if if the Tigers are looking to improve anything at this point, and what they're really scouring the waiver wire for, it's going to be for uh, bullpen help more than anything else at this point because of the uh, the question the, the rebuilt nature of the bullpen. So. Yeah, losing Rondon's a blow, but is it, uh, again, a season-ending, season-crushing blow? Unlike what uh, uh, Henning wrote in the free press, with the headline being, Bruce Rondon's loss is crushing blow to Tigers' bullpen. I'd say it's a blow, but I don't think it's a crushing blow because, as we said over and over in this podcast, Kurt, bullpens are fungible. They are mercurial. You can't guarantee from year to year uh, – how good or bad a bullpen is going to be because there's a reason these guys are bullpen pitchers and not starters just because they're not always uh, 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 consistent. You know, there's issues with a lot of these guys, but you never know from place to place where these things are going to happen. Yeah, right. You know, uh, and yeah, it, I, I don't know what's in the in the in the water down there. Uh, you know mm-hmm. that. There seems to be a, a few wildly swinging emotions coming out of Florida from yeah. from some of our scribes, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, we we were we we were just hoping Rondon would be good and not injured, and unfortunately, he is injured, and you know, it, it's not like all of the peas were being put in that pot or all the eggs in one basket or you know all the asparagus and on the plates or whatever that slogan is, but uh, yeah, it, it's. Yes, it hurts, uh, but you know, no, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, uh, it's something that I'm sure the Tigers are going to be looking to improve the bullpen because of the loss of Rondon. But again, uh, these losses, for the most part, have all been role players. You know, guys who aren't well. Let's say, you know, it's it's, it's just say it's not Miguel Cabrera, Austin Jackson, uh, uh, or or any of the starting pitchers. And then I would be a lot more concerned at this point. So uh, I would highly suggest you read an article that our uh, that our friend Uper John posted on uh, Bless You Boys Saturday morning that Tigers' injury woes woes are more nuisance than disaster, and he's become the he's the voice of reason in this. That uh, there are, are these these are more speed bumps than huge canyons that the Tigers have to jump. So, but Kurt. Is it time to panic? <laughs> oh, it's time to panic for Tigers fans. Yes, because the Tigers are now without three players they were counting on to step up in their respective roles this season. They were expecting a, a bounce-back season offensively from Andy Dirks. They were obviously expecting Rondon to solidify the back end of the bullpen, and obviously Iglesias was going to be you know, the uh, uh, a budding defensive superstar. Uh, if you, and if you, as I keep mentioning, you listen to sports talk radio, you look on social media, you, uh, you, you, you look in the newspapers, there are some who are questioning uh, the, the Tigers' actions if they have enough depth to make up for these losses. Uh, 
So I guess the question is, do the injuries make you question the Tigers' chances in 2014, Kurt? Well, I mean, one, depth was going to be an issue, and I, I know I wrote a column about that you know, uh, earlier in the month. Depth, was, depth is going to be an issue because just the, the way they're designed. But also the way they're designed could be seen as a strength because who the hell in this division and hell in this league can keep up with the arms they throw at day after day after day? you mm-hmm. got, you got two guys who are, you know, Cy Young winners, like the past three years worth, or, yeah, the, you know, two of the past three years of Cy Young winners are, are on the Tigers. Uh, Edibel Sanchez had the uh, ERA in the league last year. You know, you, so you, you, you got a better top three than anyone. Yeah. Right, right. So that that's a great starting point. You, you got, you know, you got an all-star first baseman, MVP. You got an all-star second baseman. You got a good rookie of the year candidate third base, uh, you know, you, you, you have gold glove potential, all-star potential at center field. You got Torrey Hunter, who's maybe a step below all-star level, but Torrey mm-hmm. Hunter is still really, how, you tell me which team is going to match this in the division. I mean, right. Indians, where, where would, where does that crap come from? That's mm-hmm. pretty close. The Royals, I laugh at the Royals. I mean, I don't understand how anyone can be looking at these other teams and saying they have as much firepower as the Tigers. None of them do. The Tigers, they lost a little bit of the cushion. That's yeah. all that happened. These other teams are just not position by position. You can look around. They are not nearly as good as the Tigers. So it's a laughable idea that, that oh, no, the season is in peril. No, it's not. And when you get to the postseason, anything can happen. With their pitching, you feel good. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, I, when I, uh, I was talking about these injuries on the Southside Sox podcast, and their host Josh pretty much just said, "No, Al, you're just giving uh, the other division uh, teams in the division false hope, because <laughs> you know, essentially saying the same thing. And that, regardless of all the the losses the Tigers had been dealt in the spring, they still have the best players in the division. When when you look at the Verlanders, Scherzers, Cabrera, so on, you know, I can keep going. So uh, again, if, if the Tigers' hopes." Um, winning a World Series, we're absolutely hinging on these guys. Well, then this team was a lot worse than we thought. So, and and again, Dave Dombrowski has shown time and time again that he is able to make moves that no one saw coming or even believed that were even possible to make. I mean, just go back to the Prince Fielder trade, who was completely thought he was untradeable. So, uh, I'm going to put my faith in him that he that he will be able to if he sees. Holes that desperately are going to need patching as the season goes on, he will do what it takes to take care of that. So uh, I'm not going to panic yet. It's a little concerning. Sure it is. You know, you don't want to see a team uh, lose starters. But Dirks will be back, within, you know, probably in June. And uh, as we've said, the Tigers may not be as good defensively at short, but they'll still be very good defensively at shortstop. And again, if there's an issue I'm going to be concerned about, it's going to be the bullpen. And obviously, uh, if I'm concerned, I'm sure Dave Dombrowski is concerned, and he is probably scouring the waiver wire and looking for trades as we speak. So, uh, again, if uh, I'll put it this way, if you, uh, you listen to sports talk radio and you hear guys like uh, the callers or guys like Mike Valenti ripping on the Tigers, well, then the Tigers are probably in pretty good shape. So, because <laughs> they're idiots, pure and simple. All right. Uh, here's well, here's something else, Kurt, that uh, local sports talk radio tried to make into a controversy, and that was Justin Verlander being named opening day starter 
over Max Scherzer, and some people were making it out to be a diss of Scherzer because he is the reigning Cy Young, and obviously did have a better year than Verlander last year. Is there anything to take from take, make, or get worried about with this decision of Verlander starting an opening day over Scherzer? Because it's, if you ask me, this is just much ado about nothing. Yeah, it is much ado about nothing. I can imagine Verlander giving uh, Scherzer a little bit of hell on the golf course. Mm-hmm. And the, and the two having a, a good time laughing about it. Uh, you know, I, I have not been around Max as much as, you know, the beat writers or whatever. But in the time I was around Max, he, you can tell. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to give a crap. I mean, everyone wants to be that guy. You want to be that guy. I want to be number one. But, I mean, you know, Max, Max wants to do a, a good job and he wants to be part of a, a World Series winning team here in Detroit. I don't think he's going to go, oh, I didn't get the opening day. Well, mm-hmm. I'm never going to sign with the Tigers again. I'm... I'm grumpy now. Yeah. That's not that's not Max. Max has a good time. Uh, you know, I'm sure he wanted to be number one and Verlander wanted to be number one, but you can only have one. So yeah. it, it's it's ultimately it's not not a big deal. Yeah, essentially Verlander is Highlander. You know, there can only be one. So, uh, but uh, yeah, this uh, you know, if anything, this is a great sign for the Tigers that Justin Verlander is fully healthy, fully recovered from his. Uh, off-season surgery and is pitching very, very well and pitching like the Verlander old. If anything, I'm sure the Tigers are thrilled that Justin Verlander uh, is healthy enough and effective enough to really be the unquestioned opening day starter. So, uh, again, no, this is no big deal, as, even as much as the uh, sports talk radio morons would have you believe. It's you know, as Kurt said, this is more, if anything, it's about maybe some locker room bragging rights. But if a player is so upset about not getting an opening day start when he's still considered a, you know, a, a core member of the team and a very important reason why this team's going to be good, well, then it says more about the personality and values of that player than it does about the team itself. So, all right, uh, let's move on from some Tigers talk. It's too depressing, actually. And as we are recording, recording this on Saturday afternoon on the, I believe, what is it, the 22nd of March, well, Major League Baseball season has already started because it opened in Australia. The Dodgers took on the Diamondbacks, uh, I guess, early Saturday morning. It was 4 a.m. Eastern time and, uh, and won the first game of the season uh, at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, so... Obviously, this is nothing new. Major League Baseball started the season in Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Japan recently. But this seems kind of weird, uh, Kurt, because you often see, like the NFL, they make a huge deal about kicking off the season. You know, it's you know, primetime television on a Thursday on national TV, NBC. You know, uh, it, it, there's a monstrous buildup for it. Meanwhile, what AML Major League Baseball does is they decide to open the season Half a world away, in the middle of the night, on the same weekend where the entire country is talking about the NCAA tournament instead. So if there if there's a problem with this, I think it's Major League Baseball didn't think this very didn't really think this through very well because I have a feeling the vast majority of baseball fans don't even realize there was a game played in anger last night. Yeah, well I, I you know, I, I think it would be better if they played the game if they're gonna do it it would be nice if it happened when it wasn't in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, and I think, was it, uh, you know, I think Brandon McCarthy or someone tweeted, if they had 
set this in the evening instead of the afternoon or the afternoon instead of the evening, whichever it was. In Australia, mm. uh, it, it would have been on television when people were actually awake here. So that right. it seems a little curious that they they decided, hey, let's let's start the season at 4 a.m. Eastern time. But uh, and, I, and I don't like it. But I, I think the thing we have to remember about baseball, and I think it's the thing, I, I, I you know, I, I think they, they know it themselves, is baseball is a summer game. Right. You, know? you look at the attendance figures, it's a summer game. When when kids are out of school, and you know, you, you start off a little slow. It's, you know, maybe it's in the 40s mm-hmm. or 50s, or maybe the weather just isn't ideal, or the kids are in school and you're playing afternoon games or whatever. You, and then... School lets out and, and the stadium is packed for three straight months or four straight months, you know. So uh, I, I feel like opening day, yeah, it's, it's kind of a holiday. And, you know, there's, a, there's that campaign by the beer mm. company to make it an official holiday. Right. And it's great for us baseball fans. But I, I think baseball knows ultimately their product is, is a summer thing. So I, I don't think they're really worried about the soft opening. I mean, NFL, 16 games, it's over. You've got to make a big friggin' deal about each one of those mm-hmm. 16 games. Baseball, 162 games. Yeah, you know, not a big deal. No, I guess if there's, if I'm going to feel bad for anybody, I'm going to feel bad for Cincinnati, who used to pretty much own the traditional uh, Major League season opener, and now that's pretty much been tossed out the window thanks to Major League Baseball's trying to promote the game globally. And I guess that's the question: Is baseball truly a global sport? In some ways, I'd say it's more global than than, than NFL football is, for example, but I, in, in many ways, I still think baseball is a realistically it's a niche sport in other parts of the world that aren't Latin America, the far or the Far East. You know, kind of is, but other than soccer, I think you'd find almost everything to be a yeah. kind of a niche sport. I mean, basketball seems to be growing, and, and I don't think basketball has actually seen rewards for its growth. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, basketball might actually be number two behind soccer if you look at it now. But baseball, I still think, should be considered pretty big. You know, they. They don't play it in Europe nearly as much as you would hope, but you know, like you said, Latin America, South America, a little bit. Uh, you know, Japan, Korea, Taiwan. Now they're mm-hmm. playing a little more in China. You know, uh, it, it, it seems to be it's kind of a world sport. It, it, it's not. It's just not. The, and of course, if you ask the Olympic Committee, it's not because they don't even consider mm-hmm. it an Olympic sport now. But I, I think it's kind of a world sport. But, yeah. You know, it's so it's not like it's hockey or, or or curling or something either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So or uh, football, it's not like it's football. Baseball is bigger than football. Nobody outside the United States gives a crap about the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. So it's uh, uh, you know, I just wish maybe uh, again if they were going to start the season, at least start it when people can watch it. I think the the second game is actually going to be uh, at least semi watchable. And they are right. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, something. Yeah, so it's uh. Uh, at least it won't be at four o'clock in the morning anyway. So re- regardless of that, it's it's still weird start essentially starting the season with two games two weeks ahead of the regular season. But hey, that's 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 fun. I like for you. All right, so one more topic before we start wrap up the show, and that is well, well there's another scary incident of a pitcher being hit by a line drive. In this case, in spring training, it was Ardolis Chapman of the uh, Reds who was lucky he wasn't killed. And he is ex- is expected to uh, make a full recovery after being hit in the head by a line drive, but he does need a plate in his head, and he will miss four to eight, at least four to eight weeks. And you really got to wonder, you know, 
how he will uh, recover mentally from something like this. Cause, and, and it was funny you brought up uh, Brandon McCarthy because he was the last significant player to be hit in the head and who had his season ended, and he was lucky he wasn't killed. So oh, is there anything baseball can do, Kurt, uh, save for forcing pitchers to wear helmets with face masks or something? Because are, are, are pitchers going to have to uh, – the risk of taking line drives is always going to be a part of the game. I know I know they've done some things because I know, for example, they can now wear, I guess, shells inside their cap. But I, I really find that that's not going to help all that much when uh, a baseball is going to catch you in the chin or something like that. But uh, what's your thoughts on this? Is there anything uh, baseball can do about player safety, save for you know requiring helmets and moving the mound back? Not really. I yeah. mean, you know, you, you 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 give them these hats and, you know, at least when I was down in Lakeland, you know, uh, Scherzer was asked, what do you think about this hat? And he said, I haven't even seen it. Yeah. And, and he was asked, would you try it? And he said, I might, yeah, I might try it, but I haven't actually seen it. You mm-hmm. know, so part of that is, you know, to, to educate better. Uh, and but the other part is the pitchers are going to go, well, this doesn't feel right. And because it doesn't feel right, I can't, I can't pitch properly. And, you know, part of it's mechanics where, you know, here's what Scherzer said. He said, this hat might help me because the way I fall off the mound leaves me exposed. Yeah. Well, you know, and, unless every pitcher starts pitching with mechanics that puts them in a better defensive position, there's going to be exposed pitcher. And finally, right. you know, you're 60 feet, six inches from, uh, and you're throwing a hundred miles an hour or, or 95 or even nine. And it's coming back at you, you know, you split second to, to react it. It, it's just going to happen. It, it's just the, the nature of the game. It's, it's just it's scary, and, you know, and you're, we're, we're lucky that more people don't get killed. Yeah, yeah. He was in mm-hmm. a pretty bad place. Yeah. It, I, I don't see, you know, it's not like you can put a cage around the pitcher up or something, you know, until we get to the – until we get to the Star Trek era and can say, you know, put your force field around the pitcher or something, it, I think it's it, it's just going to happen. It's just the game, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you, maybe maybe you can require them to to wear some protection devices, but you know, if it if it hits you square in the face and not in your head or something, it, you're still going to get hurt pretty damn bad. So yeah. it's it, it, it's it's really bad, but it, it I don't I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, and uh, and I'll also bring up is that uh, athletes hate. To wear safety equipment. I mean, I mean, look at the NFL when you see players to essentially get rid of a great deal of their padding. You don't see you, you see a lot of players who will ditch thigh pads, knee pads, uh, you know that sort of thing just because Sometimes they think it slows them down. Pups. Yeah, pups. Yeah, what, exactly. What could be more important to your life than you know the thing you put your cup over, and yet they ditch that anyway? Yeah, or you know, look at the NHL. Who, uh, for years, the players didn't have to wear helmets, and then for years, players didn't have um, uh, shields covering their eyes. So uh, these kind of improvements would take. We, we have to be gradually introduced because I can't see someone like Justin Verlander wearing a you know, a shell inside of his cap. You know, just because that's just how ball players are, and obviously they're afraid that it could. Even that little change of how they feel could affect their emotion. So uh, I don't really don't see much. I, I'm with you. I really don't see much baseball can do other than actually changing how the game is played. And that would take either moving the mound back, putting a you know a, a batting practice type uh, fence uh, there or something like that. And that's not going to happen. And uh, it's always just going to be a part of the game. And obviously we will never see aluminum bats because if a Miguel Cabrera hit a pitcher uh, off a fastball from the moment of bat. I think the guy's head would explode. So uh, 
baseball, I'm sure, is going to do whatever it can, but there's only limits as to what they can do. And unfortunately, being a pitcher can be a risky proposition. But I'm sure someone like these guys also say, well, I'm making a hell of a lot of money to take these risks. So, yeah, I, I really don't see what else can do, really. I'm, I'm with you there. All right, uh, let's get off this de- all these depressing subjects, Kurt, and kind of wrap up this podcast. So, uh, Spartans, how are they going to do this weekend? Are they, they going to make it to Sweet 16? Of course. <laughs> no question, huh? You yeah, know, even though they're you know, taking out of Harvard. Uh, Izzo, Izzo almost never loses on on the second game of the weekend, and, yeah. and UNC is about the only time that isn't true. So I think Izzo and the Spartans are going to win, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, even though um, Harvard has become one of those Cinderella sweetheart-type teams, yeah, I really don't see the Spartans losing to them. And, uh, of course, I see uh, Michigan. Uh, their, their road is slowly getting cleared off, especially with Duke losing. So they won't have to worry about facing them in the Sweet 16. So uh, I, I have a feeling both these teams are going to have nice, decent, long runs. So you know, I, I think uh, I think a, a rematch with Louisville is coming up. Yes, I agree. So it's a. Uh, uh, did you do a bracket, by the way? Oh yeah, yeah, I suck. Don't. So everything <laughs> I just said is probably not going to come true, judging by my bracket. I don't even bother anymore. It's like uh, it's, it's, it's the NCAA tournament is such a crap suit, and then you got the you know the. Um, uh, the tournament directors oftentimes underseed teams, and which leads to those uh, those twelve five upsets that we often see. Some of the other ones, so right, right. You know, I I have only lost one Sweet Sixteen team, but I'm still in fifty ninth place out of seventy nine. Yes, yeah. So uh, uh, yes, right. There is the the bless you boys bracket. You're just getting crushed, huh? But but I've only lost one Sweet, sweet Sixteen team. Yeah, so, so you're still alive. Yeah. So it's only like Duke is the only one that's you know screwed me over, but uh, and they screwed everyone over. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. If there was one saving grace to what really was a Black Friday, you know, at least in Detroit when it came to injury news, at the very least Duke lost. And we all Duke enjoy sucks. Duke losing. Yes, Duke <laughs> sucks. If only UNC had lost too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's wrap up this podcast. So, um, I, anything you'd like to add before we uh, call it an afternoon, Kurt? It's cold. Yeah, good. Yeah, about all I can say too. So. Uh, hopefully, I will be back next week. That I survive bowling tonight. I'm still wondering how that's going to go. <laughs> but if I do survive, we will be back next week. Hopefully, Hookside will be able to rejoin us so we can have the gang back together. So, uh, until then, though, Kurt, where can they find you online? You can find me at Bless You Boys. Maybe. Yes, maybe. Once a week, probably. Mm-hmm, indeed. Oh, uh, will you be uh, doing anything with the since the regular season is coming upon us? You can be doing anything with the SB Nation MLB account on Twitter. Uh, not the account, no. Uh, I haven't. I have like about a thirty-three hundred word, you know, hopefully a good feature about Brad Osmus and Mike Matheny that I I have ready for SB Nation, so that will run at some point, and it, and I'll, it'll be on Blessy Boys, so people can find it there too. But. Uh, but that's that, that's about all I'm doing for SB Nation at the start of the year. And of course, we have the SB Nation uh, season preview package that mm-hmm. will be coming out real soon too. So people will be able to find that. And not just you know, I wrote the Tigers part, but there's going to be lots of great information. People, you know, you want to pick up, you want to learn things, you know, enjoy this. This it's going to look beautiful and it's going to have a lot of great information and stories for people. Yeah. And what is it about Tigers managers that gets your long form juices rolling? <laughs> managers are interesting they you know especially Osmus is really interesting mm-hmm. he you know once you get him talking he 
he, you know, he spent so much time in the game, he can just go on forever and ever. And, and it was the same with Leland. He yeah. spent so much time in the game, he could go on out forever and ever. Managers are really interesting. It's, it's a lot more interesting than players who just give you the, you know, the cliche quotes that you, you learned in Bull Durham. So managers are fun. And with that, that sounds like a good place to wrap up this show. So... Uh, be on the lookout for the Bless You Boys podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe on iTunes, make sure you look for the Blog Talk radio feed when you search for Bless You Boys. And, of course, uh, for that matter, also be on the lookout for my, the other podcast I do that's not entirely about baseball, but all Detroit sports in general, that I do with our new Bless You Boys contributor, Greg Eno, and that's called The Knee Jerks. Again, that's also available on iTunes, so be on the lookout for that as well. So. But until this time, you know, either Friday or Saturday or next week, uh, that's when we'll be back. So until then, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good night and good luck and goodbye and all that. And along with Kurt mentioned. Oh, great. Indeed. And go Spartans. Not me. Ah, I shouldn't say go Spartans. <laughs> go Blue. Okay, go Blue. We can agree to that. Yeah, go we can blue. agree on that right now. So, go Blue. I'm, so I'm sure we'll have more. Uh, baseball and NCAA tournament talk on the next Bless You Boys podcast. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.